All right, here we go. Cool. Welcome to Dodgers Dogs. Casey Porter joined by Austin Brubaker. We have a very, very, very fun show tonight. What we're going to do over, hey, tonight, Baseball America came out with a projected lineup for 2027. Then they came out with, they went through basically every position and every tool, and they talked about who they thought each player in the system had the best tool and or was the best at each position. So we're going to go over that. Then also we have Austin on the line, who is the absolute ace at all the free agency stuff. Hey, I did my best Sunday night with coach. I, I, I thought we did pretty good, Austin, but Austin yeah. is the absolute ace on this. So we're going to go over all the potential free agency targets as far as pitching goes, because we saw the other day the Dodgers did offer Aaron Nola. They were not able to get them. So I think that kind of set the baseline as to what the Dodgers are thinking. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right with that. I mean, pitching market uh, is the thing that the Dodgers need to target. This is something that we've kind of emphasized quite a bit through this offseason. It's something that's been apparent just because of how the season ended last year. You need some pitching. However, pitching because of the limitation of frontline started pitching and because a lot of teams need it because of vast amount of injuries – Pitching is fairly expensive, and so the Dodgers are going to have to pay to get pitching either with financial resources or through the trade market. A lot of interesting pieces, but it is a necessity for the Dodgers in order to be able to acquire at least one frontline starting pitcher. What are you thinking? How many pitchers are they going to get starter-wise? That's, I, I would cap it at least for the major league side at about two. So I would say they get at least one, probably two. My guess is they would probably aim to try to get two potentially, just depending on some of the needs for different trades. If you're going to the trade route, which I'm going to guess they probably will do, uh, you're likely going to have to give up some of the depth or some of the guys who are ready to make the next step up to be some of that starters so with that you might need to require not just one but a second starter as well that would at least be my guest as far as the avenue that they went down is probably two um but most certainly at least one frontline starting pitcher Aaron Nola was your number one target you 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 nailed it man I mean he was the guy that you wanted the Dodgers to get they offered Go over that offer there and then tell tell us what you think that means, what the Dodgers are thinking. Yeah, so Aaron Nola was one of the guys. I didn't necessarily expect that domino to fall this early, especially before the winter meetings hit. But it sounds like Philadelphia has got a good organization right now as far as the fan support, as far as what they do for a lot of their frontline players sounded like Aaron Nola really wanted to play there and Philly was able to put an offer that was good enough to entice him with Aaron Nola you're getting a guy who yes he came off a little bit of a down year ERA wise however I don't necessarily look at ERA to be the best predictor of future success you look at some of those other statistics look at a combination of FIP and XFIP you look at his Sierra numbers cons very consistent towards the top as far as those numbers go and so he got a very good offer he got a seven-year 172 million dollar deal that is just under 25 million per year 
Uh, he is going to be entering the age 31 season, so that's putting him until age 37, 38 to where he's going to be finishing off that contract. That is a little bit more as far as length that you might want for starting pitchers, but that is the price that you are going to have to pay if you want to get an established major league free agent starting pitcher, especially towards the top end. He's been really good in the postseason, and he's going to continue that for Philadelphia going forward. He's going to be part of that staff with Zach Wheeler, who's going to be a force to be reckoned with next year. So Dodgers need to find some sort of move to help counter that. So where do they go now? You, you can't, you don't think you could offer a guy, you know, more money up, you know, as far as shorter years, but more money. Like say if a guy wants $250 million, you couldn't offer the same 250, but for shorter years. Yeah. So that, so that certainly is of the question that goes into kind of the philosophy. And I kind of think of it kind of as a balancing scale of kind of what you want. Do you want to go a little bit of the longer years? The longer years allow you to have less average annual value, gives you a little bit more flexibility. If you do go the shorter years, you're going to have to pay a lot more, which is going to limit some of your ability to make some other moves. We know the Dodgers are have an insane amount of money. They can spend as much money as they want. But there still is that limitation if you spend too much. There's a lot of money on the Dodgers' payroll. They do have a lot of room to go ahead and play with. So I could definitely see the Dodgers trying to go after those shorter-term deals with a higher average annual value to provide a little bit more flexibility. I think in an ideal world, that's what they would want because they can afford to spend that money. I think that's kind of what they would want to do. Is that a realistic option for a lot of these pitchers? Unless you're willing to pay the same amount of money over a shorter amount of years, which I don't think it is in the best interest for the Dodgers. I don't think you want to pay Aaron Nola $45 million a year to pitch over just a couple of years. I think you would much rather have that balance act. Okay. We'll take the extra couple of years provide a little bit more payroll flexibility, a lot of balancing act when it comes to signing a lot of these mm -hmm. free agent pitchers are concerned. I think shorter term deals, higher AAV would be ideal. I don't know if that's necessarily a reality mm -hmm. in this market though. It would be too high of AAV because you just would have to condense it so much because here's the deal, man. If you sign a guy till he's what, 37, 38, you're getting at least three years that statistics would tell you you're overpaying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that you're absolutely right about that. There is such thing as an aging curve in baseball when you look at kind of the overall production of players. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean, just like with all these statistics, that doesn't necessarily mean that every single player is going to fall in the exact same way, do Correct. the exact same thing at the exact same age. It's odd. However, However, yeah, however, we know that players over time generally see, see their production go down as they age, especially as they enter their late 30s, which is why a guy like a Yoshinobu Yamamoto is so enticing is because he's not entering free agency at age 30. He's entering a free agency at age 25, meaning he's on the upward trajectory of some of his aging curve, which is why I think in combination with 
the production that he's had in Japan, why he is such a popular target on the free agent, why so many teams are interested in him, and why we've had some wonderful pieces. I know our resident catcher uh, was able to write a great article on Dodgers Daily, uh, so you should go check that out. He also did a great job on the show. Just want to point that out. Got to listen to that the other day. Uh, great job by him. Uh, so, but yeah, no, the free agency market with some of these guys, especially with the major league baseball free agent starters, you likely are, if you want to get those guys have to pay for years that you don't necessarily want to pay for or have them be on contract for years that you don't necessarily want. Perhaps that's a price you want to pay if you want to take advantage of Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman's prime, but then that can lead to a dark path to where you could have some years later in their career where you're having a lot of money tied up, where especially if you weren't able to take advantage of this window, things could get a little bit ugly during that time period, as we've seen with other major league teams. So a lot of interesting choices, which is why I think the trade market is a way that the Dodgers are likely to go. I would agree. And it's a, it's the reason why I think the Dodgers should always use the trade market first, free agency second, because you get the, you get the same type of all-star player, the same type of elite player like a Corbin Burns, but you get them in the shorter, the shorter terms. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yeah, you you get them if you go in the trade market. I think the real upside necessarily isn't necessarily the shorter terms. It has to do with the cheaper contracts that you have. If you get a guy who's early into his career, he like has one the Burns cheaper make? contract. What was that? How much does Burns make? Uh, this upcoming year, he I think last year he made about ten, twelve million. This upcoming year, during arbitration, yeah. he's scheduled to make about fifteen, yeah. which is a steal yeah. for a lot of these guys. And you look it, the other thing about that is it's not only cheaper, it, not only for club control, but with trading for these guys, you get the upward trajectory. They are on the right side of the aging curve for a lot of these guys. You might get a couple of good high peak years of production for signing guys through free agency, but with trading for guys, you're getting a little bit more of that upside, a little bit less of a runway as far as what you've seen from them, a little bit less of a track record. Um, But that might be the best option, especially because the farm system that the Dodgers do have that is the cost of training for guys is you do have to give up guys from your farm system. Um, luckily for the Dodgers, they do have a good evaluation for guys in their system. They do have the best people as far as evaluating guys, drafting guys. So they can make a lot of these moves. So that definitely is an option that the Dodgers can take going forward. Yeah, no doubt about it. Of course, you know, Corbin Burns, I think, what does he have? Two more years left on his contract? Don't quote me on that. I'm not I'm not. He has great. one more year. One more so year. he'll be a free agent after next year. So there, there's another thing. I mean, if you go give up a Nick Frosso or a River Ryan or, you know, a, a Dalton Rushing, and which is they're going to want a catcher. They're going to want mm-hmm. one of your best pitchers. They're probably going to want, you know, your best position player, that kind of deal. You're going to give up like three of those guys. Uh, you know, let's say you give it your best – one of your best pitching prospects – one of your best catching prospects, one of your best uh, position player prospects, and you're doing that for just one year. Yeah. Yeah. That's no, tough. that that is 
extremely tough, which makes guys that have a little bit more of club control, like a Dylan Cease, who has an additional year of club control. I know last year he was not an ace-level pitcher. He was a second runner-up in Cy Young the year before that. That's what makes those guys so enticing. A guy like a Tariq Skubal, who I don't think will be available on the trade market just because of the upward trajectory of the Tigers, but guys like that are intriguing because they have more years of club control where if you give up some of those guys, okay, that's going to suck giving up those guys, <laughs> but you have this pitcher for a couple of years. Whereas with Corbin, Corbin Burns, if you give up those guys, you're really looking to either sign him to an extension or you're putting a lot of your eggs into next year's yeah. basket. How old is Corbin Burns? He is 28, 29. Let me look really Man, quick. I'm just telling you. 29. Yeah, so he's going to be 30. So you're talking about if he signs, okay, so you say we're going to extend you for, we'll give you a six-year extension, or you say you just kind of agree to it, to that. You know, that's part of the, the trade as far as you talk to Corbin and his representatives. You're talking about a guy going into his, his, his year 36, right? Man, I'm all over that. That 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 would be that would be a very attractive thing to do. It's an interesting debate, you know, trade trade market versus free agency. I just man, like like when I buy a car, you know, I just know that like I put it on like three years, not seven. You know, when I buy a house, it's on yeah. fifteen years, not thirty. I just I just would rather pay more money in a shorter period of time because I just think, you know, I, I think that interest I think there's interest when you're talking. I think the interest in players is that they get older. You know, yeah. I mean, no, each I think, year I think the player gets right older, there, you know, there, there comes a point around that 27, 28, 29, 30, each year they, they, they get older, they get substantially less valuable. Yes, no, there there certainly is that, which once you get into that late 20s, early 30s, that's considered a lot of the prime of your career. That's supposed to be kind of when you have a lot of the best stuff, when you've had a lot of runway in the major leagues, you've had a little bit more production. But once you overpass that, which is what a lot of teams are paying for in free agency, that's when you see a lot of the downward trajectory. That's when we saw the downward trajectory of contracts like an Albert Pujols, like a Miguel Cabrera when he had that extension with a lot of these other free agents. There is a philosophy that you don't want to spend lots of years on these free agents, like in general at all. There are theories that go out about that because in general, a lot of these deals don't work out. I think if you are the Dodgers, you're in a situation right now where you have to do something. Because last year, year, the pitching was not able to get them over the top to the (laughs) World Series. Wasn't able to get them a single win. It wasn't able. Yeah, you're absolutely right, (laughs) which means they have to make some sort of move pitching wise and they realize that and they know they have to make some sort of move which can lead to a little bit of desperation meaning they are going to have to spend they won't get more money more years than they want to or they're going to have to give up more prospects than what they're going to want to and if you take a look at the 40-man roster right now you touched a little bit on this in one of the previous shows um they kept a lot of their relief pitchers on their 40-man roster, meaning they handed out contracts to them through arbitration, which means their 40-man roster is at 39 right now, meaning they only have spot for one additional person unless they want to get rid of some guys. Perhaps you can 
find some guy or two on the roster. You know that you're going to have to put two guys on the 60-day injured list later. That won't happen until spring training. Perhaps you can have a little bit of flexibility of relief arms, but I think the the thing that is likely to happen is at least a guy or two on that 40-man roster is likely to be traded to make room for some of the additions that they're going to have to make with pitching. Add that to the fact that they are looking at some other free agents, a well-known designated hitter slash pitcher, more than likely they're going to be looking at. Um, They are going to be making moves at some point just with what they're dealing with, what they need to do in order to get over the top. What's important with this is to, even though there is some sort of desperation, don't act in desperation, still make those smart moves, but also understand that you have to make some sort of moves. So there's going to have to be perhaps giving up a little bit more than what you have in the past, what you want to, um, there's going to have to be moves coming up for the Dodgers. And I think they, there will be moves because I think there's going to be, there's an understanding of where the Dodgers are at right now. I'm hearing Blake Snell. He certainly is an option. He would be one of those left-handed starting pitchers. There are, he would be perfect, which, which with that, uh, if you're talking about a left-handed starter who has everything the Dodgers need. Yeah, he certainly has a lot of experience as far as postseason. We know he's had some success um, with the Dodgers. Dodgers saw that firsthand, obviously. He has a lot of really good numbers. He's coming off a year where he did win the Cy Young. He's won multiple Cy Youngs. Um, The concern that you would have, and then I'm going to try to address this a little bit as far as this concern is, uh, yes, has to deal with, um, has to do with his walks. He does give up quite a few number of walks when he is pitching, which help to inflate a lot of the numbers as far as his FIP, his ex-FIP. Remember, those statistics take into account strikeouts, walks, home runs, the fly ball ratio. Because he gives up a lot of walks, those numbers are a little bit inflated. Now, with the Dodgers, if you look up and down the Dodgers system, they consistently have guys who have really good stuff, but not necessarily the control. Meaning with a guy like a Blake Snell, perhaps where other teams might look at it and might say, okay, he walks a lot of guys. That is a little bit of concern. Perhaps the Dodgers are looking looking at that as perhaps we have the personnel to be able to help him perhaps combat some of these control issues or – just take advantage of some of the swing and miss stuff that he does have. Uh, So I think with Blake Snell, I think he definitely is one of those guys that is very intriguing. I don't necessarily know, and I don't necessarily predict that he is going to be at the Cy Young level that he has been. I'm still a little bit concerned about those walk numbers, what that's going to translate to going forward in the future. Um, so I think the contract that you would give a Blake Snell, honestly, probably wouldn't be necessarily the best contract. However, it might be the contract that you have to get out in order to get over the hill, in order to fill the shoes. That might just be a risk that you have to make. 
you're saying, yeah, the Dodgers need him. He would be a good add to the Dodgers, but not for what he's going to cost. I'm saying that he, if you, let's take Aaron Nola. So what would you say? Like we got a comment here from Michael. His fit discrepancy yeah. is big. Is that your, your numbers guy? Yes. Yeah. So if you look at just looking at his numbers from last year, his ERA was 2.25. His FIP was a run higher than that 3.44, 3.62. That has to do with his high walk rate. Yes. He walks last year almost five batters per so nine. So he was good innings. at getting out of jams. Yes, which means that there could be some regression right there, which is exactly what he's talking about. Uh, Michael is talking about. Uh, there could be some regression right there, which is a very serious concern. My point with that is the Dodgers have a lot of guys in their system who walk a lot of hitters, yeah. and they've been able to help a lot of those yeah. guys get out. If you it would look be something the Dodgers, the Dodgers are familiar farm. with and could work yes, with. Yes, it would be something that the Dodgers are familiar with. They could work with that. Do they want to work with a guy who's been in the big leagues for quite a long time, pay a contract that they're likely going to regret at some point? Do you want to pay that big of a contract to a guy you're having to fix? That's that. That's a good question. Yeah, which with Blake Snell, we're not saying that he's a bad pitcher at all. He obviously won and deserved the Cy Young this past season. Uh, still a really good starting pitcher. What we're trying to say is, hey, with all of these guys, we're not trying to say this guy's won the Cy Young in the past. The question is what they're going to do in the future. What kind of pitcher will Blake Snell be in the future? I don't necessarily know if he's going to live up to that potential, that uh, amount of upside when he's getting later into his career. Next year, he'll be in his age 31 season. He likely is going to demand at least the contract that Aaron Nola got, which with Aaron Nola sounded like he might've taken a little bit more of a team friendly -er mm -hmm. deal with Philadelphia, even though seven years, 172 million, if that could possibly be team friendly, my guess is Blake Snell is looking at least at that. In which case I don't necessarily know if that's the smart move, in fact, I would almost go out to say it's not the smart move, but it might be the necessary move the Dodgers might have to make. Okay, so what I'm hearing here is Dodgers have to do something. Didn't win a game in the playoffs. Everybody knows the Dodgers have to get probably two pitchers. And then we get into the pitchers. Noel's already gone. Snell, <laughs> he, he's probably outperforming what he should be. Contract's going to be too big. Corbin Burns only has one year on the contract. Not worth giving up prospect for that one year. So who's it going to be? Yeah, no, that is the question because... If it was easy, the Dodgers would have already done it though, right? Yes, yeah. Every single one of the free agent or trade pieces that the Dodgers could acquire has their own flaws yes. that you could see potentially coming back to hurt the Dodgers. With the Tyler Glass now, who has great FIP and XFIP numbers or Sierra numbers, if you're looking for that prediction, he doesn't stay healthy a whole lot, gives up a lot of home runs. If you look at some of the other guys that come in, with guys come, like a Yoshinobu Yamamoto or Shota Imanaga, guys coming in from Japan, there is that question of what how the game is going to translate over to America. I think it's going to translate well. Still is an uncertainty because you don't have that track record in Major League Baseball. And you're going to be paying With them in a contract other... that would make them an elite pitcher, right? 
Yeah, yeah. And you're for like a Yoshinobu Yamamoto, he's going to get probably the biggest free agent pitcher starting contract because of his upside that mm-hmm. he has, because you're trying to predict that he's going to do well and translate well. And he's got the years of upside in the major leagues. Uh, with a Shoto Imanaga, he's going to probably get a little bit of a cheaper contract, not quite to the extent that Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Uh, is going to get, but he's still going to get a fairly decent, respectable contract as well. Left-handed pitcher from Japan uh, entering age 30 season. And then if you look at some of the other trade pieces, like Dylan Cease, who has been in rumors with the Dodgers recently, the question with him, he had that amazing 2022 second place Cy Young season where he showcased the potential that he has He did regress quite a bit in 2023. That wasn't necessarily predicted by the numbers in 2022. So that was a little bit of a shock. And he continued to to regress regress as the year went on. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't necessarily know if he's another one of those questions as far as is he going to be that ace for the Dodgers? So then it comes down to, okay. There's a lot of uncertainty with the market is concerned as far as all of these individual pieces. You're going to have to make some sort of move. Do we want to make it in free agency? Do we want to sign one of these pitchers in free agency, knowing it's going to hurt probably a little bit on the back end, but also understand that you have a lot of different pieces in-house to kind of help spread out the basket as far as innings are concerned, as far as concerns for different injuries or do you want to go to the trade route, perhaps not necessarily get the length, but get some of the upside and some of the um, just the greatness that a lot of these guys have, especially with the curb and burns. Mm-hmm. But you might have to give up some of the depth that you have with pitching. All of this stuff are questions that the Dodgers are currently asking and currently trying to identify and have been probably for months trying to figure out Still exactly figured it out, what they're going to have to do. Oh, no. And and you could discuss, We, I mean, we could spend the entire offseason discussing this. Eventually, the Dodgers will and have to make some sort of move. Should be uh, very interesting to see what they do. No doubt about that. So, hey, this is right up your wheelhouse. If you can't tell, just listening to you talk about this, it is awesome here. You know more about this than anybody I know. So, you're Andrew Friedman. Okay, what do you do? Man, putting me on the spot absolutely. right there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that that man, that's difficult. I think I think I'm go for at least initially I go for the trade option. I think that's going to be the best as far as the long term. Which one, Burns or Cease? I would probably lean towards Burns because he has the longer track record of that upside. I know it's just for one year. You could try to work out He's some a Boris sort client. of extension with him. Yes, he is that. Um, I think you also understand some of the leverage that you might have over Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Is one Milwaukee seems to be willing to deal a lot of their players, or at least a lot of the players that have a lot of major league experience, to where they are getting close to being under contract years reaching free agency or on under big, big longer term deals. I think you 
have that plus the knowledge that things didn't necessarily go well between Corbin Burns and Milwaukee last time during the arbitration process, you could potentially use that as leverage to say, okay, maybe I might not have to give up quite as much because I know that you're going to deal them. But even with that, other teams are going to be inquiring and trying to get Corbin Burns as well. You're still going to have to give up guys in order to get a Corbin Burns. Uh, I think he would probably be my number one. You could potentially look at pairing him with somebody else on the team. I know Willie Adonis is a popular name. I know Christian Yelich has been brought up, which if you look for a Christian Yelich, you'd be taking on a lot of that contract, which could lessen the return of some of the prospects yes. just because the contract that uh, Milwaukee might not necessarily want to have on their books. Perhaps the Dodgers could look at that. How many as years a way is Yelich? To- Yelich, I'd have to look right now. He had signed a pretty good contract that took him to maybe age 36 or 37. I just have that pulled up right now. Yeah, so he's 32 right now. He has a contract through 2028 with a 2029 mutual option. So that's going to take him to the age, what, 36, 37? That's not bad, man. I like a Yelich Burns. That's pretty good, man. That's a pretty good return. I like that. I think you froze up, Austin. Can you hear me? I think Austin just froze. I'm going after as I uh, we may have to reconnect with Austin here in a minute. His internet is going in and out here. I'm going to get to some of the comments. Austin, can you hear me? Yeah, I'm back. All right, there we go. Okay, great, uh, Craig. Good evening. We Austin and I got after this for a while, so we got into our topics. First of all, I want to welcome everybody in and thank you so much. Remind you that at the top, we do have a GoFundMe account. If you'd like to help Austin that you're seeing here, who just did just a wonderful job explaining all the pitching targets. And I'm trying to send him to free tra- spring training and myself as well. So if you want to donate, that GoFundMe account will be pinned at the top. $1.50, $2, whatever, $5. It's been wonderful. We've had a million dollars? Yeah. Huh? I said a million dollars would a be A million dollars nice would be, yeah, we, we can work with that too. Yeah. And so, and also, hey, on this, don't just leave a, a chat. Go to the regular part of this video, leave a comment, leave a like, share this video. So after it archives, it gets that algorithm and gets seen more often, and we can keep providing content like this in the future. Craig, good evening. Thanks, Thank you for joining, Mike, our residential catcher. Good evening. Daryl, thank you so much for joining. Looking forward to some more great content. Yep, that, I always appreciate Daryl's wonderful comments. And then Michael, good evening, Michael. Thank you so much for joining, Sean. One of our awesome, awesome, awesome Dodger dailies right here. Don't forget to like the video, everyone. That was his comment. How awesome is he? Hep C, good evening. Shohei Yamamoto, trade for Burns. Can you pull all that yeah, off? So, uh, yeah, Shoto Yamamoto, trade for Burns. That's adding three Shohei. different starts. Oh, Shohei. Shohei. Okay, he wants yeah, Shohei, so tra- Yamamoto, and then trade for Burns. Hep C does. I mean, I, th- I think if you're talking about the Dodgers as far as some of their dreams offseason, I think that would be something that you would perhaps – that would be one of the options that you would envision happening. Obviously, that's not adding any sort of outfield. That's not adding any sort of utility piece. But I think if you add a Shohei Otani, which provides such a dynamic – 
offensive outputs. You're talking about MVP level offensive output, not just with the power. He can also hit for average. He also steals some bases. Does just, does every single thing on the baseball diamond. Obviously won't pitch next season, but will pitch in 2025. Then you get a uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto who man coming over from japan has probably the most upside potential as far as the free agent pitchers that would be very exciting and then you get some certainty with the corbin burns who has been a cy young level starting pitcher over the past couple seasons that would be the avenue to where if the dodgers could snap their finger and make something happen i think that would be one of the realities that the dodgers would envision having you would have two out of three of those each year because the first year you would have Yamamoto and Burns. Then the second mm-hmm. year you'd probably have Yamamoto and Shohei, right? Unless mm-hmm. you re-signed Corbin Burns. So yeah, I know that. So that so kind of what I'm saying is I think a lot of Dodgers fans think we need two pitchers, right? So yeah. that gives you two pitchers both for next year and the years after. So that's obviously that's yeah. that's a Christmas wish list, but but that that's a pretty good. Uh, a pretty good, you know, at least a good starting point there. And if there's anybody in the game of baseball that has the, the financial resources to do it, and if there's anybody else in the game of baseball right now that is pissed off enough to want to overpay because they're tired of not winning World Series, it would have to be the Dodgers right now, right? Yeah, no, you're absolutely about, you're absolutely right about that. That would be kind of, if I had to snap my fingers and make something happen, that's what I would make happen. Okay, good evening, Michael. They need to pursue Imanaga, Yamamoto, and Monty. Yeah, so uh, Aminaga, again, is the other uh, starting pitcher out of Japan. Um, Definitely a little bit less of certainty as far as how he's going to translate over entering his age 30 season coming over. Uh, So I don't necessarily know if the upside potential for uh, Yamamoto is there. Um, But still a very interesting piece because he'd be a left-handed pitcher coming over from there. I don't. I haven't been able to look at necessarily watch a lot of his starts, but a lot of good reports from him. And then, who are some of the other guys that you mentioned? Uh, said, uh, let's see. Let me get back to this. You're going to have to overpay. Uh, Michael says you're going to have to overpay. Let me get back to that. Okay, they yeah, need to pursue good. Imanaga, Yamamoto, and Monty. Okay, so my guess is uh, Monty, maybe Jordan, Jordan Montgomery. Montgomery. That, yeah, the, yeah, he's going to stay with be, the Rangers. Yeah, you know, and, and Jordan could... Montgomery, you can remember this. He was my number one target on the trade show. Uh, mm-hmm. He was the one yeah. I wanted the Dodgers to go get from the Red Sox. Yeah, no. Uh, well, Jordan Montgomery came over from, I think, St. Louis. Um, but, yeah, no, Jordan Montgomery, one of those guys who very much had, it has, because of what he was able to do this past season, during the postseason, uh, one of those guys who – extremely was extremely effective uh left-handed pitcher um he he's one of those guys where i tried to take a little bit of the recency bias out when i'm looking at a guy like a jordan montgomery uh and try not to look at him just exclusively from the lens of this past postseason when he was really good. But even if you look at the overall big picture, he has been a really solid pitcher. He's going to be entering his age 31 season, and he's likely going to and has earned the length that he's going to get. So again, one of those guys who probably is not going to get the contract necessarily that a Blake Snell is. I know he won't get that that type of money. A little bit less of that. 
Um, but still, because of his performance this past postseason, is going to probably get more than what his value would be if he hadn't performed or hadn't pitched in the postseason. You're looking at that, taking that into account when you're paying for a guy like Jordan Montgomery, definitely would be one of those reliable pitchers who has performed in the postseason, though. Interesting that the Cardinals are just filling their entire roster full of, it seemed to me like overpaid veterans this year in the offs. I don't know if you're following the, yeah, what oh, they're yeah. doing. Yeah, with, yeah, but, with but Lance yet they don't. But they don't want McGovern. It's just, that's weird. Yeah, no, it's uh. So if that's what, if that's your know. plan, why don't you just keep Montgomery then, right? Yeah, I don't necessarily know what the the Cardinals, as far as their plan is concerned. Obviously, with the Montgomery, if they had kept him during the trade deadline, they weren't winning anything. They would have to re-sign him through free agency. I guess that still is an option. But I for mean, the Cardinals, they're but, signing guys that aren't as good as him right now to bigger yes. contracts than probably he's going to get. No, well, with you're talking about Lance Lane, when you're talking about a Kyle Gibson, they're only giving one year, I believe, to right. each one of those guys. Uh, so you're not necessarily for a guy like Jordan Montgomery, who's going to get like a five, six year, probably deal, maybe a four year, uh, but he's going to be a little bit more in that 20 million ish range as far as years. The Cardinals are searching a little bit towards some of the one year maybe some bounce back perhaps you can yeah. try to work with lance lynn on some of the home runs didn't really work out for the dodgers uh as far as that aspect was concerned perhaps you can work with a guy like kyle gibson who's a little bit underrated as far as his innings are concerned not necessarily flashy but he's going to provide some innings you would know um, more about than i would I, yeah 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 so they're just signing guys not necessarily to long-term deals, which there's a theory that that might be the safer way to go, even though that that doesn't provide the upside, which right now the Dodgers need the upside. Yeah. So they're looking for a little bit different avenue. Okay, Michael, like I already said, good evening. You're going to have to overpay now. That's the reality of the new, the new market. Now, whether it be overpay for prospects or overpay for – I think the overpay nowadays is is – you know, they've been paying overpay, overpaying these players in salary for a long time. I think the overpay this last year was more so in length of contract. Would I would I be correct oh, yeah. there? Yeah. No, I think if you look at last year's free agency, the biggest surprise that you had with a lot of those were the length of a lot yeah. of those contracts. I don't think a lot of people expected Xander Bogarts to get a 10 plus year deal like he did with San Diego. I don't think a lot of people expected some of the other pitchers, some of the other hitters who got the length of contract that they did. That is of real concern. And that is something that the players strategically know about. Yes. They know about the aging concern. They know sure. that their production goes down, but the, so they want to try to get some of their that agent. Length. Damn sure. So knows all that stuff. Oh, yeah. No, their agents know all that stuff. They are very much aware and smart as far as everything that's going on with that. So they're going to try to get paid during those years where perhaps their production isn't quite to the extent where it has because they played under contracts to where they vastly outperformed their level of pay that they had got. During the years of team control, when they were getting paid league minimum or when they were under their arbitration contract, contracts they were vastly 
outperforming what their contract was. So they, a lot of those players are expecting to get paid in part of what they did in the past because of the track record that they have. A lot of teams are trying to say, hey, no, we are going to pay you for future production, not what you did in the past kind of creates a little bit of a tricky situation as far as both the players and the teams, because there's a little bit of a conflict of interest between the two. Mm -hmm. So with that, a lot of players right now are seeking those longer term deals to try to get paid for some of those years and for some of that security, knowing that you're going to have some sort of job, or at least you're going to be paid during those longer term deals. Whereas for teams, they would much prefer the shorter term deals. So a lot of that's going to be back and forth between the teams, the players, the agents. And then ultimately one team is going to make a, an offer that is going to be suitable enough. You just got to hope if you are that team that you make a reasonable enough offer and that no other team, especially if you really want that player, isn't going to vastly overpay what you're going after. The reason why the players have the, the advantage nowadays is because it just takes one. You only need yeah. one team to want you, right? I mean, yes. And, you know, of every team in the, in the major leagues, just one needs to want to overpay for you. That's all you need. And the agents yeah. know that. And so, you know, you, you hang out and you wait and you figure that there's going to be one type of emotional person somewhere that goes, man, I want this guy. Pay him, you know? Hey, this is our one chance to get this guy there. And typically speaking, that's what happens. One team overpays yeah. and everybody else, literally everybody else, other than that one team's going, holy. Sh <laughs> wow. Yeah, I know. And, and you talk about the fact that there's more teams getting into yep. the playoffs now than there has yeah. been in years past. That continue. creates more avenues for competitiveness. Uh, and that creates more opportunities for teams to want to be able to to make the playoffs want to be able to compete. Whereas in past years, they might've just sat back and say, Hey, there's no chance that we're going to make the playoffs. Why are we spending all this money? Now they have the opportunity to be able to make the playoffs a little bit easier, which creates a little bit more competition on the free agency on the trade market. I think this is something that the Dodgers probably have run into over the past couple of seasons um, makes it a little bit more difficult and makes it to where the, the ball is now a little bit more into the players' courts mm -hmm. where they might be getting a little bit an additional offer or two more than what they've gotten in the past, which means if there's more offers, more teams, there's going to be a higher chance that one of those teams is going to be desperate and pay a little bit more or provide a little bit of extra length. Good evening, Joseph. Thank you for joining. He says Dodgers always go for – AAV for less years. Players want guaranteed years nowadays instead of betting on themselves. That That is no doubt about it. That's kind of a pivot the Dodgers, I wouldn't say, have made yet. That's a, I think they're still trying to hold on to that philosophy, but I think they're in the middle of that pivot. Yeah, I, I – it's it's tough because I think a lot of those I think as was pointed out a lot of those players want that length they want that security teams don't necessarily want to give that up they much rather pay and take a little bit less of the risk take a little bit less of the downside um, but I think with that with the way that the market has gone recently. Um, you are likely, unless you want to take on guys and hope to fix a lot of these guys, which I know a lot of Dodgers fans are a little bit sick and tired of some of these reclamation quote-unquote prospect 
uh, projects. Um, I think you're going to have to pay a little overpay mm -hmm. to get a lot of these guys, which has not been the thing that Dodgers necessarily want to do. They want to be in control. They want to make smart financial baseball-driven decisions. Uh, they might come to a point right now to get over the top. They might have to be a little bit more reckless than what they have been in the past, which I'm sure is not what they're comfortable with. Yep. Pepsi uh, says Shohei is worth it if he turns into Pujols year six of a 10-year deal. It's worth it. The Damino says happy Thanksgiving, guys. Happy Thanksgiving to you, the Damino. May your turkeys be large and delicious. Yep. Michael says Corbin Burns. It's only worth it if you extend him. He is a Corbin. He is a uh, Michael, or he is a Scott Boris client. Like twenty million Hep C. Going back up to uh, his his previous comment. Hep C says like twenty million. The Damino says I will advocate for acquiring Corbin Burns if he gives me five million. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Michael says Dodgers need to get a lefty starter bad. Lodolo and Scooble are going to be elite. We need to get one of them. Yeah, no, that's what we talked about. I've had first-hand experience being able to watch Tarek Skubal pitch. He is going to be and has been an absolute beast in this league. I believe he's going to continue to be, but I think the Tigers know that, and I think they are expecting him to help lead this rotation going forward, or at least the Tigers' rotation going forward. Getting him to be a part of the Dodgers is going to be one of those deals where you talk about all of these different trade avenues. I think Scuba would be the most expensive as far as the trade package because you look at a lot of the expected numbers, because you look at the explosive stuff that he has. Uh, Scuba, in an ideal world, if you wanted to pick out any sort of left-handed free agent or left-handed pitcher um, who would have that upside, who would have some of those cheaper years of control, he would be the guy to go after. I just think that to get him would be astronomically high. That would be the asking price for the, for the Tigers. I don't necessarily know if that's the necessarily the best move to go after. Could be if you wanted to get the quote-unquote best guy for the cheaper kind of length. I also don't know if the Tigers would be willing to go in that avenue. For Corbin Burns, he's a rental. This is Hep C and won't be back. Therefore, I would only trade Bush. Bebas Galise. Would that get it done? Let's see. Uh, for Cor Corbin Burns, correct? you repeat Bush, that? Bush, Bebas, and Galise. Bush, Bebas, and Galise. That That's could, a position player. I could see. Yeah, yeah. Um, I could potentially see something around that work well that would be a no-brainer i mean that would be a no-brainer yeah. for the dodgers i don't necessarily they might be if you're looking back and forth i think if i were the brewers i would probably ask for one of the one of the dodgers pitchers in that aspect i think if you were to combine agree. a bush and a different starting pitcher that's kind of in that next wave to come up or in that wave that reached the big leagues last season, but hasn't necessarily established themselves in the Dodgers rotation full time. I think that would be an avenue that the Brewers would probably prefer over getting a guy like a Yorbit Vivas, who has a lot of really good upside. You don't necessarily know if he's going to be one of those guys that's going to be 
you're going to use him kind of in that second base, that third mm-hmm. base full time, or are you going to put him in like a utility position? Um, I think that would be preferred, especially to fill in the hole that Corbin Burns would leave yeah. um, over that. That would, if you were to have that kind of that package, especially because the Dodgers don't necessarily seem to have room for Michael Bush full time at the major league level, that would be a move. I've that talked I to some people that disagree with you there. Maybe uh, they, I've talked to some people that think he's going to be a full time starter for the Dodgers moving forward. They and they very well could be, depending on what the Dodgers decide to do with all of their different aspects, obviously kind of contingent a little bit on what they do with Shohei Otani. But also if let's say that they get a Shohei Otani, look at some of the holes that you have, who are you going to play at like a second base? Could you have him fill in right there? Could you have He's a where's him- Waldo guy? Yeah, you could have him fit into left field. If you want to try to transition him to left field, there are avenues open for michael bush to be able to fill in that hole whether there's enough avenues to fill both him and a miguel vargas full time into the rotation i think that is a little bit Mm -hmm. more difficult uh to be able to fill in kind of those holes get them enough bats get them comfortable at the big league level i think there's certainly an avenue that is open for michael bush the issue that i have is the Dodgers just haven't been willing to give him that time in the past. Uh, so that makes me a little bit concerned that yeah, they, they chose might Vargas not give it over to him, him in the past. Mm-hmm. They chose yeah, Vargas so, over him, yeah. Yep, so I don't necessarily know what the Dodgers' mindset is going forward. You also don't necessarily know as far as if they're going to try to look at, okay, how many lefties or righties do we have in the lineup? If you add a Shohei Otani, you'll have Shohei, you'll have Muncy, you'll have... Freddie Freeman, all lefties that are high impact bats in the lineup. Uh, Do you want to put another right-handed pitcher in there? I don't necessarily know what the Dodgers mindset is when it comes down to this. There could be room for him, but you also have to take into account with acquiring a guy like a Corbin Burns, you're going to have to give up somebody of worth, somebody of pretty significant value to you. He is Michael Bush. Uh, definitely somebody the Dodgers want to hold on to, want to keep, but could be one of those places that you have question a need going into next season. Yeah, no doubt about it. And you would, you know, whenever you do trades, you want it to work for both sides as we mm-hmm. look at Michael Bush here. Yeah. And the thing about that is, is that, you know, you want to, the best case scenario for you is that you give up prospects that you feel like you can absorb, you know, because you have you have people behind them. I think when you look at, at the positions, as far as the Dodgers go, the Dodgers are thin in infielders. There's no doubt about it. Especially, you know, because, I mean, Alex Freeland's probably – you know, you have Austin Gothier yeah. and Alex Freeland. I, I don't know that Austin Gothier projects as a major league shortstop. He's a tremendous player, no doubt about it. He signed an undrafted free agent contract. Alex Freeland's your next guy. Then after that, you have a lot of potential – at Rancho, but not great production yet, point blank. I mean, I think Rain Don Cone has a chance to be a great player. He hadn't done it yet, and he hasn't done it at the single-A level, correct? So, Mm -hmm. I mean, Wilman Diaz, you know, he's had times where he's hit the ball well, 
Uh, I'm going to get some video, and so you guys can see Wilman Diaz. He, he had he had a time last year where he showed some really good power. Matter of fact, here's going to be you're going to see a home run here from Wilman Diaz, right there. Can you see it, Austin? I don't think you can. Can you? I cannot see it from right here, yeah. but I I've seen some video of him before. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, you have some guys that have potential. You know, Sean McClain, mm-hmm. guys like that, uh, Jordan Thompson. Maybe a Sam Mongelli who I'm going to have a chance to talk to. By the way, talk to Jake Polarski. Talk to Liam Doolin, the Australian. And mm-hmm. uh, Alex Friedman uh, j- just uh, just uh, released my interview with him. So if you want to know about Michael Bush and his athletic ability, go back to that conversation I had with Alex Friedman. Alex talks about you know how he thinks that his his uh, athletic ability is underrated. You know, so yeah, uh, there there is a they you know if you wanted to put Michael Bush in left field. There you go. I mean, he the way that he put it was, if you put him in left field, he'll figure it out and he'll do it. So, anyways, yeah. Uh, so, let's get back to some more comments here. I'm going to get back to my yeah. program. And then let yeah, me I'll, I'll, I'll make a few comments about there, about a couple of those guys. One, I'll start with uh, Free, Alex Freeland, who I got the chance to see the entire past season uh, in Great Lakes, the high affiliate of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Alex Freeland is one of those guys where if you watch his game consistently, uh, you just become very much impressed with what he's able to do. Still working on a little bit of that in-game power. However, that power potential that he has is in there. Just look at some of his swings. He had, I believe, a home run in that Cedar Rapids series that just went a mile from what it looked like off the bat very smooth in the infield as well definitely one of those guys where man he's got a lot of tools to work with as far as the catcher position uh he's going to continue to make progress then the other guy one of the other guys that i got a chance to see quite a bit and i will continue to defend and continue to question why there, he hasn't gotten enough poten- enough attention, that has to be Austin Gothier. I've mentioned in the past just how good his past season was. If you look at just the overall numbers, you look at some of the WRC Plus in Great Lakes, which he spent two months in, he had a WRC Plus of almost 200, meaning mm-hmm. he was 100% better than the league average. Continued a lot of that in... Tulsa where he had a about 130 WRC plus but if you look at his overall production from the years he's one of those rare guys who walks more than he strikes out and that's just something that you don't see across the league and he consistently has his ISO well at least above what his strikeout percentage is meaning he's hitting for power he's not striking out a lot he's getting a lot of walks yes a lot of the babbit numbers from last year were a little bit high but if you look at the overall floor that he has because of his plate discipline because of his approach he consistently puts up really good offensive numbers to where Man, if he continues this up, if he continues his approach and plate discipline, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. I don't understand how he didn't get any sort of recognition for the season that he has. I did it on one of the shows a couple months back. I'd have to look back, but he's one of, I want to say, 20 players to put up the level of production WRC plus wise with the plate discipline. Um, and a lot of those guys do end up making the big leagues. Do I think he's going to make the big leagues as a shortstop? 
I don't necessarily know. He could kind of move around a little bit. We've seen him play some other positions around the infield. I want to make sure that Austin Gothier, which I know you and I have given him a ton of credit throughout the season, gets the recognition for just how good he is as an offensive player. And then you mentioned a lot of those guys in Rancho this past season. Hopefully I get the chance to see a lot of those guys come up to Great Lakes. They're able to work on some stuff uh, this next season with a lot of those guys at the lower levels still working on a lot of the stuff still have a lot of potential. There's but Don also Keller right a, there. Yeah. But with each one of these guys, the potential, they have to be able to adapt and they have to be able per, to produce and prove on that potential. So with those guys, with ring Don Cone, with Wilman Diaz, definitely have stuff to work on. Uh, I know with Diaz, he's got to work on some of those strikeout numbers, which were high a little bit, but he, each one of these guys has incredible tools to be able to work with, to be able to help advance a lot of their games. And they're surrounded by some of, if not the absolute best coaches on the minor league level. I'm a little bit biased. I'd say that they are the best, but I've also been dealing with a lot of these guys uh, individually, as far as seeing them work with these guys. Uh, they're going to have the opportunity to be able to help grow their game, help prove their potential. Um, it just comes down to a lot of in-game action, a lot of working through the offseason. I know these guys are going to be working hard. Still a lot to prove and a lot of questions going forward because the game of baseball is incredibly difficult. Which There's Alex Freeland again. Yeah, which, which, which is why I think we're so supportive of a lot of these guys when they do something amazing or show some of that potential because we know this game is hard and these guys are incredibly talented i want to make sure that they get their due diligence with that well you also forget gavin lux is fairly young (laughs) oh yeah Yeah. i mean so yeah but but kind of my point is whenever you're talking about trade talks you you want to give away guys in positions that you can absorb i think the positions the dodgers can absorb right now are pitching because they're just so low especially right-handed pitching and then I also think uh, catching. Pitching and catching mm-hmm. are two positions yeah. where the Dodgers are just absolutely completely loaded. Outfield, you know, your next big prospects are probably, uh, who would you say, Jose Ramos? He would be up there. I mean, you're talking about him. You're talking about the Andy Pajes, who hasn't made his transition to the big league level yet. Those would be kind of the bigger names in the system as right now who are closest to the big league level that you would probably expect to make that jump at some point either with la or if they get traded with somewhere else yeah there's pajes there you just saw ramos a minute ago this is andy pajes here who unfortunately got moved up to triple a here's some more him see how thin he looks there that's that's oh, yeah. amazing how much weight he lost that's awesome but uh he, he hurt his shoulder his first game in triple a so that was uh, that was very difficult for him. Actually, I'm going to flip that. I think this is actually backwards if you look at that. There we go. Right there. Okay, so let's get back to some more comments here. I know that we haven't got to a whole lot of them yet. As bad as the starting pitch it was in the playoffs, if you told me we would hold Arizona to four runs twice and lose both games, I wouldn't have believed it. Bats went to sleep. That's a good point, Michael. That is a very, very, very good point. Keep hearing Dodgers need a one who you would suggest uh, who would you suggest Dodgers Nation, the number one? That's from Joseph. I think we've gone over Corbin Burns. I think 
And that that's probably Corbin Burns would be the, the number one pitcher that that you would need. We're looking at Andy Pajes right here. Uh, he let's see, let's get into some more of these. Jay, good evening, Jay. Yamamoto said he would play with another Japanese player. Yeah, okay, Sonny. So you would need another Japanese player. Is kind of what he's saying there. You sign one more just to kind of mentor him. Joseph, uh, Luke Joseph says Yamamoto, the Damino. I'm going to name my son Shota Imanaga. <laughs> yeah, Yasiel Pui. Good evening. Just a reminder, hey, not just in the chat here, but go ahead and leave a like on the regular video, video leave a comment in the regular video section, and also we have the GoFundMe account linked at the top if you'd like to give 50 cents, a dollar, whatever it may be. Uh, we would certainly appreciate that, trying to raise a fund for spring training. And if there's a, a player that you'd like to see a video of, we're going to go over some pretty cool names here in a minute. Uh, let me know. I can play a video of them. David Basset said Dodgers have been talking to Giolito. Yeah, I, I would just as soon pitch – Emmett Sheehan and Ryan Pepio and those guys as opposed to him. But who knows? Cease would be interesting. I just want him out of the AL Central. A glass now would extend with the Dodgers. Do you agree with that? That's that's from Michael. That would be an interesting case because of with him, the biggest concern with Glass now has to do with the injury potential that he has just because he's dealt with a lot of different injuries. When he has pitched, though, he has been, let's just say, tremendous with with the stuff that he has. I know he's given up some hard contact, and I know he's given up some home runs. You look at a lot of those strikeouts to walk numbers. Those are really, really solid. You look at some of the home runs. Um, though, all, everything that's taken into account with him would be Really, really good addition. I don't necessarily know if the Dodgers would be able to extend him, especially because if you look at his position right now, I think he knows that he's dealt with a lot of injuries. He probably would want to play out the full season, see if he can get a full healthy season under his belt, and then potentially test free agency there because I think that would provide the most upside as far as the value that he could get from free agency. Uh, so I think with him, you would probably have to trade for him and then probably wait out the season to see how he does. You could perhaps entice him with an offer before that, but I think he likely knows the upside that he has and would probably play towards that to try to play up some of the potential to see if he can get some more money with that. That at least is my guess with that. Could be totally wrong. Obviously, we are not in the room. We don't necessarily talk to all of these different agents mm -hmm. or know exactly what's going on behind the scenes. That would be my best guess as far as what would happen, though. Nick Punto. As far as That's what a exactly. Yasiel Puig. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think he's – wasn't he an older player from back in my – childhood date i don't know if he's gotten some sort of coaching decision i i honestly don't I don't know as far as that if you want to explain exactly what that comment is referring to uh, i'd have a little bit more input as far as that is concerned but that's definitely a name i haven't thought about in probably oh four or five years or so okay hep c says dodgers only have one real long-term contract on the books with mookie that will age bad when he gets older yamamoto is young so a nine-year deal won't hurt Shohei is worth absorbing the bad years. Michael says sign Tyler Molle uh, to a multi-year deal. Still under 30, he won't pitch for the start of the year, but he has a high ceiling, giving you a good number three starter. So that's from Michael there. When Mookie goes to the Hall of Fame, whose cap does he wear? I would say Dodgers. 
Cards going all out with the Dodgers letting Lance Lynn, yeah. My dream is Shohei Yamamoto trade for Burns and cap it all off by giving Brandon Woodruff the Tommy Canely two-year and let him rehab, no doubt about it. Brandon Woodruff, mm-hmm. we talked about him Friday night. Yeah. He would be – I think he's a guy the Dodgers definitely need to pursue. Obviously, yeah, the, he might the, pitch, and he might – he actually might be back by the end of next year is what I'm hearing. Yeah, the question with that – the only question that I would have is do you have room to add him to the roster right now? We know we have two guys that are likely to go on the 68 injured list with Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin. And right now the Dodgers have 39 players – uh, on their active forty on their forty man roster, so you would have to clear up some spaces in order to fit them on. You can't put those guys on the sixty day injured list until spring training starts. So that would take some creativity in order to make that happen. But when Brandon Woodruff is healthy, he is one of those frontline ace level starters. Brewers and with the position they're in right now and because they weren't going to resign him and he'd be injured for most of if not all of the season that's the reason why he got DFA'd so mm-hmm. I would be all for adding him in if you could get him on a two-year deal there's complete upside yeah, no and doubt. very little risk with that no doubt no doubt okay so want to remind you some of the interviews I have coming up I had Alex Friedman released today or yesterday I can't remember he went all over the AAA Oklahoma City Dodgers roster, and he is very blunt with what he thought about the people, Landon Knack and, and, and you know, the River Ryan and Nick Frasso and, and Hunter Fiducia and Kyle Hurt, all of them. And then he went over the ABS system, what he thought about the challenge system versus the automatic balls and strikes. He went over tri- uh, Travis Barber. He went over everything. It was like an hour long, and he was just so kind. It's awesome. He is very, very, yeah. very honest. So if you want a really honest take of – all of the AAA guys, hey, go watch that with Alex Friedman. Absolutely awesome interview. I had nothing to do with it. All I had to do was just say, hey, hey, how are you doing? And Alex took off with it. So it was great. Also, Brady Smith, 2023, uh, 2023 draft pick. I'm going to get her, I'm getting ready to release his interview here in the next couple of days. The 101 Express, Jake Polarski, Peter Hubeck. We got him in the books as well. I've already got him in the can. And then the Australian, Liam Doolin, man. He's a cool dude. Six foot five, two forty. He hit ninety-eight last year. I like this guy, man. This this guy was in Rancho. And then I'm going to talk to Noah Rune, who out, out of Texas, who was with Rancho last year, the submariner. So you know, haven't talked to submariner yet. So got those guys coming up. So hey, let's get into a pretty cool topic here. We'll get into some more comments here in a minute. Projected twenty-seven. 2027 lineup so that would be not this year but two years coming down the road catcher this is from baseball america let's get into discussion here this is what this is what they think the lineup will look like in 2027 catcher will smith first base dalton rushing second base miguel vargas third base michael bush see i told you i've been talking to people that think michael bush is going to be an everyday player that's why they didn't trade him okay shortstop gavin lux left field andy pajes He's a right fielder. His arm's way too good to be a left fielder, by the way. Yeah. Center field, James Outman. Right field, Mookie Betts. Designated hitter, Freddie Freeman. And your pitching rotation will be Bobby Miller, Dustin May, Tony Gonsolin, Ryan Pepio, Emmett Sheehan, and then uh, your closer, Evan Phillips. So let's start with catcher, Will Smith. 
What yeah, no, I think I think that's the question going forward for the Dodgers as far as the roster is concerned. Are you planning on extending Will Smith? I think with this list that Baseball America does, obviously they can't see into the future as far as what's going to happen, nor can they predict as far as different free agent classes as far as who's going to come in, which is why you're not seeing a guy like a Shohei Otani on this list because yeah. they are aren't predicting free agents but as far as the guys in the system looking at 2027 who would be some of the starters will smith i think over the next year or two you're going to start to hear questions as far as do we extend a will smith do we try to work on some of that extension or do we go with some of the in-house options in this scenario to decide to extend will smith i don't think that's a bad move in fact will smith is one of the better catchers no in the game of best yeah he is one of the best catchers in the game of baseball um some of the questions that i would have and i obviously with this scenario you'd be able to move both dalton rushing and will smith dalton into rushing that catcher position um with that i think some of the scenarios that you could have envisioned as far as that will will smith be how will will smith deal with some of the wear and tear that he's had to have at the catching position over the past couple of seasons especially with the drop of production from some of your backup catchers we know that austin barnes really struggled last season so will smith had to take the burden of that how will that impact him long term as far as the catching position luckily for the dodgers they do have depth within their system with a guy like a dalton rushing who had the opportunity all of last season to watch him grow and just really seeing him on your screen right here by the way yes uh just really establish himself as a really good professional hitter obviously still has to make some jumps and we saw cartaya struggle a little bit once he got to got to double a but the Dalton rushing is one of those really special talents and he steps up when the moments are brightest. We saw last season during the Midwest league championship against Cedar Rapids. He probably had the best series that I've seen any single player have in a postseason. We saw game one. He had, it was a couple of home runs, had another home run, a couple more extra base hits once he got to Cedar Rapids as well. But you look at the overall course of the full season, not just look at a small sample size of a high intense championship environment. Look at the full course of the season. He was somebody who, even in spite of, of the injuries that he sustained still put together a phenomenal season and is going to continue to grow. It's definitely a player that Dodgers fans should be extremely excited about and definitely worthy of being in this projected 2027 lineup with what he's been able to do and with what he's going to continue to do. He's got the power potential. He's got the plate discipline to pair with that. Definitely somebody worthy to be on this projected lineup. And I think what they're saying is Will Smith and Dalton Rushing will both catch and then both play first yes. base. I think that's what they're saying here. Okay, second and, base. And that's something that's yeah. smart, too. Yeah, I agree. So, second base, Miguel Vargas, you like him over Yorbit Vivas? I would say. Now, they have, they have I would Vargas. Say, 
yeah, they, they do have Vargas with there. And I, th I would imagine with this, they would still say Jorvid Vivas would be kind of in the mix, probably more in that utility type role where he can fill in at second base. He can fill You're in about at third base as well. Yes, with See, I Vivas. think Vargas has has more more potential as a, as a utility than Vivas. I, I would I could, if I had if I, I had one play second base and one be utility, I would make Vargas the utility and, and Vivas the everyday second baseman. Yeah, I, I think that I'm telling you, Vargas I, could I be a hell of a left fielder. I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, th I think you're absolutely I think you're totally fair in that opinion. And we've seen Miguel Vargas kind of move around a little bit. I think that's just some of the perception, perhaps that a guy like a Yorbit Vivas has, which perhaps you don't take that into account necessarily, because if you look at his major league, what he, or in the minor leagues, what he's done, uh, he has been an everyday player at the minor league level talking about Yorbit Vivas and would add just a different element as far as he doesn't strike out a lot. He walks a decent amount too, just a different hitter in there with a guy like Miguel Vargas though. We're talking about a guy who has a lot of upside and somebody that the baseball prospect community has loved and they they've seen a lot of his potential and they just seem to value him especially at baseball america over a guy like Yorbit Vivas. Yeah. i think both of these guys they have don't really good upside and really good potential uh as far as future is concerned um it just depends on kind of what you envision for the future. They don't I mean, even know who Austin Gothier is. So, I mean, it's like these these lists yeah. are fun, and we're going to have fun, but take them with a grain of salt. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's something that we try to do with all of these different lists. We try to take each one of these just into – just with a grain of salt as far as what we – we use our own evaluation as far as each one of these players are concerned. I think one thing that helps – Miguel Vargas in this list is he does have that big league experience. He has more runtime in AAA over a guy like a Yorbit Vivas, which you wouldn't think would go that's into That's why account, Baseball America that chooses it... them, though, for that only – that's the only reason they yes. choose him. Yeah. That's who they've and seen. That, that's – and that would be the safer bet right. if you are Baseball America making this list, this... which Baseball America – we're not saying this to try to trash baseball America. They do a lot of really good stuff yeah. over there. Just with that, you have to take each one of these. They're fun to do good to click on and kind of read and kind of a vision, especially during the off season, take it with a grain of salt though. So who are the guys who have made their debuts with, with uh, a major league club that have been a Dodgers prospect in the last two years, Ryan Noda, Jose Hernandez, yep. uh, Nick Robertson. Yep. Uh, Oh, uh, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd have to go back then, uh, to the Michael Grove. Yep. Ryan Pepio, Bobby Miller. Who else? Uh, yeah. Gus Barlin. Of, yeah. Okay. Only like two of, of those guys are actually even on top 30 prospects list is kind of what I'm saying. So yeah. just yeah. the prospects list isn't the guys that are closest to the major leagues is kind of what I'm saying. Okay. Third base. You're looking at him here. Michael Bush. Baseball America has Michael Bush as the starting third baseman. I can't disagree with that. That tells me that they don't think that, that obviously Max Muncy will be around. And, you know, talking to Alex Friedman, he said he expected the Dodgers to trade him last year. They didn't. So I think they do plan on him being the next third baseman. The next guy you would have maybe would be a, be a Brandon Lewis and or a Cody Hosey, who has not – Cody Hosey, elite defensively, hasn't found the stick yet. Brandon Lewis has struggled for two years in a row. 
I love that young man. I love his power potential. But performance is performance, correct? And then when you go down below yeah. that, I mean, maybe you move an Alex Freeland over, but then you have like a Rain Don Cone and Wilman Diaz, those type of guys that are still down at the high level. So, hey, there is no doubt about it that as of right now, my opinion, the next third baseman every day is Michael Bush and the Dodgers organization. I think Baseball yes. America has that nailed. Yeah, no, absolutely with that. Gavin Lux, shortstop, left field, Andy Paez. That surprised me. That's over Johnny DeLuca. That's over Jose Ramos. That's over Drew Avens. That's over Ryan Ward. That's over uh, Damon Keith. You know, that's that's over a lot of guys. And, and in left field, he's not going to be in left field. He's going to be in right field. That arm is, yeah. you know, and they have, actually, they have the best tool with Jose Ramos as the best arm. Nobody has a better arm than Andy Paez. Nobody. Yeah, no, I, w- I would agree to that. I, mean, I would attest that to the fact that Annie Pies missed a good majority of time last season. Both of them have tremendous arms. I just, I have seen Annie Pies' arm in person uh, when he was with the uh, Great Lakes back in 2021, and it was special. It- it's a really phenomenal arm that he has out there. I, I, I really like what he has. I love the tools that he's able to bring, and I love the approach that he has going up there, knowing that he is go. a Here's very good right hitter here. and having that. Yeah, no, just right here. Watch this. He, yeah. Here we go. Yeah. Right so field. this is why he's a right fielder. Watch this. Throw. <laughs> That's oh, a yeah. one hop. No, and, and this is why some of his coaches in the past project him as a right fielder as one. well. Here's another one. Let's just sit and watch this. Yeah, let's watch this. Here we go. Watch this. You, know, you don't see it in the air, but that's a one hop to Cody Hosey to third base. This, I'm, Oh, yeah. Hey, I've seen them both play. Jose Ramos has a wonderful arm, and Baseball America has his arm rated that's better better than Andy Pajas. It is not. It is not, but Andy Pajas has the best yeah. arm in the system. Yeah. No, and if you look at Andy Pajas through the course of his career – he has, except for the 2022 season at Tulsa, which he did put up about league average mm-hmm. numbers during that course of that season, he has consistently been well above league average as far as his offensive production. You're talking about WRC pluses in the 140 to 150 mm-hmm. range. A lot of those seasons happen, were in rookie ball, but you look at 2021, first full season in professional ball, in Great Lakes put up a 152 WRC plus in 33 games last season for double a put up a 144 was on his way to have a tremendous season potentially be on the knocking door to reach the major leagues unfortunately dealt with some sort of injury that put him back a little bit so you have question as far as what is his position as far as who does he have to jump over to make that step to the big leagues coming back from injury? I have no doubt with the tools that he has that he's going to be able to make that, especially you talk about the power that he brings. You talk about the plate discipline that he has. And for being a powerful hitter, he doesn't strike out at an enormous clip. You're talking about less than... 25 24 25 something like that that really is not too bad and that's what some of the other power systems power hitters in the system man we wish that they would have that low strikeout yes no absolutely um so with with pahes he's extremely talented and i think baseball america 
highlighting him as potentially one of the guys in the outfield, I think just attests to how much potential he has as a player, somebody that Dodgers fans should not forget, especially for a lot of these trade discussions. I see his name get brought up there, which there's good reason he is on the 40 man. They likely are going to have to trade players off the 40 man. Don't forget about how good he is though. Yeah, no doubt about that. Center fielder. They have, uh, Baseball America actually did a really good job with this list. I mean, this this is you know, it, it's a lot of mm-hmm. fun for me. I I, I have I have oh, a yeah. lot of fun going. They have James Outman in center field. They do not have Johnny DeLuca in the lineup. Johnny DeLuca will be a starter for the Los Angeles Dodgers. He's a guy that will be almost an every year twenty twenty guy, and on the right year, he'll be a thirty twenty, and then on the right year he'll be a thirty thirty. Let's say that he has a ten year major league career. Three of those are going to be thirty thirty years, maybe more. Uh, I will say that right now. And I will stick to that. Nobody will ever be able to convince me differently. They have Mookie Betts in right field. I think Mookie Betts is going to transition to second base because I think that's going to be easier on his body because there's a smaller window to move around in. There's a lot of space to cover in an outfield, man. So, I mean, you're talking about second base. Yes, you're having to deal with the double plays and all that. But it's a smaller box to, to run around in. And then they have Freddie Freeman as the designated hitter. That means yeah, Shohei Otani is not on the dodge. <laughs> yeah, no, I, this is not projecting. This is projecting the Dodgers sign or trade for no free agents or no uh, no trade targets. So take that with a little bit of a grain of salt yeah. with this. This is with the guys in-house right now. If you had to project the 2027 lineup, yeah. who would it be taking into account a lot of the prospects as well? Mm-hmm. So a fun thing to do. I Obviously, I we enjoy this a little bit because it – highlights a lot of these guys which is something we're trying to do we're trying to highlight a lot of the guys within the system so for that even if with the prospect list we might think that they might be overlooking a lot of guys in the system that we might try to cover still is a fun thing to do and man it yeah it and they do a really good job over there i I tend to if you notice my coverage baseball america tends to be the one that i cover the most because Mm -hmm. they do they do a just a terrific job and I think they did a terrific job on this list, too. Okay, so uh, number one starter, Bobby Miller. So the, the rotation would be in 2027 for Baseball America. Miller, May, Gonsolin, Pepio, Sheehan, Closer, Phillips. I can, barring injury, I can guarantee you Nick Frosso is going to be in that rotation. And I would almost yeah. guarantee that River Ryan would be in that rotation. And I would be surprised if Kyle Hurt's not a starter slash big part of that. Yeah, no, the the Dodgers have a plethora of really talented arms, and that's not even going to the next level in the minor leagues. We're Nick Frost is going to be in the rotation in twenty twenty seven. I, I just yeah. unless there's injury that, and, and he he finished the season injured, but it's not a big deal. Talk to Alex Friedman about it. Not yeah. a big deal. Him and both Landon Knack will be totally healthy. Yeah, no, they're going to be healthy, but you. Man, you're talking about this is three years from now, meaning you have the opportunity, not just the guys at double A AA or triple A, but you also have to look at the guys at the lower levels of the minor leagues as well. There's a lot of really talented starting pitchers at those mm-hmm. uh, to make it to where, man, this list, I know it's not going to be 
necessarily accurate or just trying to put some arms in there. There's a lot of different names that could come up, could fill a 2027 rotation. You're looking at some of the guys that were in Great Lakes this past season. You're looking at some of the guys who were in Ranchville this past Thanks, season. We'll make the – yeah, you ha- who you had the interview with, great interview with. You should check it out on the Dodgers Daily He's YouTube cool, channel. Oh yeah, no, he's he's cool. He's gonna be uh, he's gonna be fun fun to watch for the loons next season. Uh, no, a lot of these guys for the twenty twenty seven. You have a lot of different options, a lot of different variability as well. That is the upside of what you have in the system. You do have a lot of individuals who could step up and feel in that role. Um, that makes projecting a rotation to 2027 very difficult and makes it so where the guys who have already established themselves at the big leagues are going to get get the the choice and preference over some of those guys which if you're trying to project for the future might not necessarily be the best thing to do it is probably the safest thing for them to do for projecting to 2027 they didn't put frasso on the 40-man roster to not make him a starter in 2027 now, I can see, you know, Landon Knack's that guy that, you know, he he's the four-pitch guy. That's So, he might be the, like the Kyle Hurt type role or the Michael Grove type role, but they did not put – I mean, Nick Frost, so that's all I'm going to say about that. I would be shocked. It's going to have to take injury for that not to happen. Okay, best hitter for average, Josue De Paula. Okay, I, I think that's a good choice by them. I think they dug in pretty good there. I would have to say right now, as we speak, it would be Austin Gothier. Yeah, no, I, I mean – Awesome Gothier with what he was able to do last season and the hit tool that he had. He was just able to hit for everything. I think that should be recognized and rewarded mm-hmm. with Josue De Paula. Still hasn't made that jump up to the high level. We expect him to do that next season, in which case I am very excited to see what yeah. he's going to be able to do for uh, Great Lakes. But still a ton of upside, a ton of potential. Can't go wrong necessarily with Josue De Paula. Best power here, Dalton rushing. I would say it would be Andy Pajes. I would probably agree right there. I don't. I think Dalton rushing has got a ton of power. I think Pajes just has that next year to where you could almost expect a thirty home run season for him. He hit, just to put in perspective, the most home runs in Great Lakes Loons history mm-hmm. when he was with Great Lakes. It's not a hitter's friendly One every environment 14 in at the Midwest bats League. Is what he hit. What was that? He hit a home run every fourteen at bats. Yeah, thirty. You're talking about thirty-one different home runs, I believe, was what the total was uh, back in 2021. He continued a lot of that power in Double A. He's going to continue to hit for power. That was, would be my choice. Although I saw Dalton Rushing turn it on late in the season, last season, especially during the postseason. But he catches. He's, he's going to get nicked up. Too. Yeah, yeah. There's certainly he got hurt is this year, right? He's going to miss time. Will Smith mm-hmm. missed time. Yep. Of course, Andy mm-hmm. Pye did too, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Okay, best strikes on discipline, Michael Bush. Is this strike on dis- discipline better than Yorbit Vibos, Johnny DeLuca? I would say it's better than I would say better than DeLuca. I think it's probably better than Vibos. The thing about him is he just has really good bat ball yeah, skills, right. meaning he's able to hit. He but part of that is swinging about, at the right pitches. A large part of that, yes. Is. Yes, and that's something that, man, I wish we had a lot of that data on. Yeah. A lot of the decisions that we're going off of is outcomes, walks, and strikeouts. I wish we had some of that in-zone swing 
uh, some of the chase numbers, some yeah. of those more advanced, which gives you a little bit better as far as the plate discipline. I think when you're talking with a guy like a Michael Bush, I think he has just that next step as far as walks. Uh, you're talking with a guy like Yorbit Vivas. He's got maybe in that 10 to 11 percent uh, walk range, where if you're looking at a guy like a Michael Bush, he last year he had a about 14 percent walk percentage, yeah. so right. a little bit higher right there. Even if there's a little bit more swing and miss as compared to Yorbit Vivas, I think that has to do with more bat to ball as opposed to discipline in the zone. So yeah. Michael Bush, fine choice. Um, I would go with in this case, I would go with Austin Gothier though. Yeah, because you're talking about close. Yeah. Yes, you're talking about close to 20% walk percentage and doesn't strike out much at all. Fastest base runner, Kendall George. I think that's an easy one. And on yeah, a scale of easy. 20 to 80, his he, he's probably a 200. I mean, this yeah. dude, this dude at, can at fly. Least. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Best athlete, Johnny DeLuca. I would agree. You know, I mean, yeah. uh, that that's a great choice. See, I mean, Baseball America actually did a really really good job on this. Okay, Nick Frasso, best fastball. Yeah, I think between him, maybe a Jake Pilarski, uh, Bobby Miller, obviously. You know, but yeah. I think the extension of Frasso is what is what gets him over the top. I think, you know, the way he gets downhill, the way he crossfires, the way it's knees and elbows. I think I think they have that nailed. I I've said that yeah. for a while. Nick Frasso, I think has has you know maybe the best fastball in the entire Dodgers system. I think they nailed that. Okay, best curveball, Maddox Bruns. I Jared Kiros is pretty good. Michael Groves curveball. That spike curveball is really good. Peyton Martin spike curveball really good. Uh, you know, so there, there's some good curveballs, but but uh, they went with Maddox Bruns. You got to see it with your own eyes. Yeah, no, I mean, Maddox Bruns has got some really good stuff. You talk to a lot of the catchers that catch behind him, they'll attest to just the stuff that he has. And it's about keeping it in the zone uh, with him. If he's able to do that, his stuff can be absolutely electric and absolutely, yep. absolutely nasty. I'm fine with that. Best slider, River Ryan. Yeah, they needed to find a category for River Ryan to be on here somewhere because this yeah. dude is just legit. I don't have a problem with them slipping him in there with the best slider because, like I said, him and Kyle Hurt both needed to be on here somewhere. They gave Kyle Hurt the best changeup. That's fine. Give him the best something because Kyle Hurt has electric stuff. So does River Ryan. Yeah. Best control, they nailed it. Landon Knack, no doubt about it. There is no yeah. doubt about it. Landon Knack has the best control. Best defensive catcher, I would disagree with this. They say Diego Cartaya. I would say Ty Tyrone Lorenzo. And the reason is the, the, the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes threw out all base runners, it seemed like. Towards the end of last year, you don't believe me, go back and watch the Dylan the Shock interview. Sub 1-8 pop time for Tyrone Lorenzo. I would give Tyrone Lorenzo the, the best defensive catcher in the organization. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue that, and especially because you talk to some of the sources right behind that, too. Uh, definitely go check out that interview. Yep. Okay, Alex Freeland, the best defensive infielder. That is 100% incorrect. <laughs> I love Alex. You know that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hands down, the best defensive infielder in the organization, and it's not close, is Cody Hosey. Hands down. Yeah. That dude is an yeah. elite defensive infielder. Now, the offense hasn't come around, no doubt about it. I, I can't defend him on that. I just can't do it. You know what I mean? But as far as defense goes, Cody Hosey easily is the best defensive infielder. You've, have you seen Cody in person? 
I had the chance to see him in the two games that I was able to see in, or I, I can't remember if he played in one or two of the games that mm-hmm. we went to uh, in Springfield, Missouri, when I got the chance to see Tulsa this past season out there. I think he might've played in one or two, not a large enough sample to get a read on his defense. I will say Alex Freeland really smooth as a shortstop yeah. right there. Definitely a really good defender. Yeah. Best infield arm, Myro Shendrick Martinez. Uh, I'll have to. I have not seen. I have not seen that young man play. So I'll have to. Yeah. Who, who's the best arm that you've seen with your own eyes, infield wise? Infield wise, oh, that's not necessarily a strong suit of, of of infielders that I've seen that you just go, wow, you know. Yeah, yeah. There, there hasn't They're been necessarily kind of anybody that's that's jumping off the page right now. So yeah. I'm obviously I'm not seeing him play at all either so i'll have to lean in on baseball america's expertise because yeah, they got they got some eyes yeah, on some do. of these guys as well best defensive outfielder do you give it to deluca or ramos who oh that's it that's a really good question man because i'll go <laughs> i'll go with deluca because of the plays that he made in texas the past season yeah okay good best outfield arm they have jose ramos uh, I go with Andy Paez. Nobody has a better arm than Paez. Is that who you yeah. go with? Yeah, I'd go with Paez. Okay, that's it, man. That's the 2080 scale, and that's going to end our show for today. So, hey, we have a couple more comments I may get to here. Just a reminder, leave a like in the regular segment. Leave a comment. That way, you know, it hits that algorithm after this thing archives and it gets recommended more. We did not get to how serious is the shoulder injury for Paez. Is he, 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 I think he's going to be fine. I, I have not yeah. confirmed that, but I think Andy Pahez is, is going to be fine for next year. Thankfully, Will Smith has two more years. In two years, and we'll know what Cartai rushing uh, Tyrone turn into. Don't forget Griffin Lockwood Powell. Don't forget Jesus Calise. Don't, don't forget Simon Reed. Don't forget Jorge Puerta. Don't forget Carson Taylor. Don't forget Yaner Fernandez. Okay. There are great catchers other than those three, so it's not just up to them, too. Uh, the Damino had a great time sitting next to you all. That's from Jaime, Eli. Okay, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining. If you're new to the live, hit the subscribe button. Thank you, Mike, no doubt about that. Okay, um, Dodgers trade for Glasnow, trade trade May, Knack, Ron, uh, uh, Ron Cohn, uh, Don Cohn, I think is what they're trying to say there. For De La Cruz, yeah, Ellie De La Cruz is fast. I love speed. Seems like we have a Gavin Stone-type young arm, so adding Stone in burn deal won't hurt. That's kind of what I'm saying. If you trade, you want to do it in a position of strength so you can absorb it better. Okay, even if Urias has his charges reduced, we don't have time to get into that. We'll get into that in a different show. That's yeah. Michael. Michael, I promise we'll talk about that in a different show. Thank you so much for joining. Don't forget to also uh, leave a like, leave a comment in the regular section. Random Hero, thank you for joining. Just an awkward conversation. Is there a world where the Dodgers take the PR hit and bring back Bauer and Uritas? Yeah, we'll get into that in a different show, I promise. Uh, show, Showtime, Yamamoto, Woodruff, Miller, Pepio, Frasso, six-man rotation for 2025, says Hep C. So that's going to pretty much do it. Any final thoughts? We, we're, we're about five minutes over. Yeah, we're a little bit five minutes over. For me, I'm on the East Coast. It is 1035. That means we're about an hour and 25 minutes from Thanksgiving. Uh, So I want to say to everybody in the Dodgers Daily community, 
wish y'all happy Thanksgiving. Had a couple people on the show who were watching that give a shout out to my uncle Doug, who's watching nice. and sent me a couple messages during this. Got to give a shout out as always to the Damino close friend of mine. And then one of the people that was mentioned right there, I believe Jamie is what her name is. Uh, got to sit next to her um, next in when we went to Springfield uh, to the, see the Tulsa drillers cool. game. So yeah, so shout out to her. Uh, close relations to Jake Polarski. Nice. Jake Polarski sat next to Releasing some of the his family interview over here there, before so. too long. Cool dude. Yeah, I know. So shout out to that. And yeah, so happy Thanksgiving to you all. Uh, it's obviously uh, we're very thankful for every single person who watches, listens, leaves a like and a comment uh, on these videos. So definitely enjoy doing this. Something that we're extremely grateful to be able to do. Thank you for tuning in and go Dodgers.